listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. That's Monday morning. Welcome to the cheap from the cheap seats. I am on the struggle bus this morning, fellas. <laughs> you can tell by the look in my eyes. You, you look pretty bad. It may be a long, long, long couple hours. How are you guys? I feel good. I may be the only you, one in here, along with Trent. I'm trying to figure out how you're so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's Monday morning. I'm a spring chicken. And man. you're, like, ready to take I'm on ready the to world. roll. Yeah, I'm ready to crawl back in bed. Uh, we got a full house this morning, like, literally, because uh, I don't think we could put any more people in this place. This is like uh, one of those kids, you know, when you're trying to squeeze people into a car. Do you ever do that? You ever you ever try to figure out how many people you get into a phone booth or in a car or whatever the case might be? No. No? You're telling you're way too cool for that, huh? No, there's a whole lot of man in this, Dude, this studio right is now. Is there not? Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Robert Bricky, Trent Nichols, we're all jammed into this studio. And uh, we've got a big show. Big, 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 big show. At 9.30, we expect to hear from former NC State great Chucky Booker, who may... Chucky Brown. Chucky oh, Brown. Ch- God. Yeah. Let me tell you, he's Chucky done Brown. that more than a couple I of times. I have done that a thousand times. And, and here's the thing. Oh. I actually, for those of you who know who Chucky Booker is, I have a connection with Chucky Booker. I don't know why he's stuck in my head. But no, Chucky Booker will not be here. Chucky Brown, however, will be on the air with us. And I, I, I was trying to like make notes of all of the NBA teams that he played for. <laughs> yeah. it, it, Hope he had a legal pad. Uh, man. <laughs> I want to know, I, and I'm not even going to ask him to do it. I want to know if he could do it if he had to. Right. Put them all in order. It's amazing. And there's got to be something to be said for being able to get that many different looks, um, a long, illustrious career in the NBA. Right. Um, and then at 1030, since just so we don't leave the, the UNC fans out, we expect to hear from Phil Ford, which should be really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Former second overall pick in the draft back in 78. And speaking of the NBA, I want to get into this later in the show, but real quickly, I love that the NBA pushed up the beginning of free agency to 6 p.m. instead of waiting until midnight. So all these stories that were coming out early yesterday afternoon in years past would have just been speculation until midnight until you could do all that stuff. Um, I don't know why we play these games. But yesterday, it almost seems like Everything that was going to happen in free agencies happened, and now it's over just that quickly. The only thing I think we're waiting to find out is who the third team in the Jimmy Butler deal is going to be and where Kawhi is going to land. Guys, if Kawhi doesn't end up in L.A., has this free agency period been an abject failure for the Lakers? I'll defer to you. I don't think so. I think picking up A.D. is a start. They're going to have to make a trade, though. They're going to need a third wheel. To win a title, a, a, a tr- trade who? They have like three players under contract <laughs> at this point. Trade the king. Yeah. They're gonna have to. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. There's n- there there is no trade. I've got some eligibility left. Well, the, I mean they they could bring the four. They may have to bring the four of us in, <laughs> and you know we we can we can sit on a bench just like the the next guy. Right. But I'm looking at the Lakers and the Knicks. Oh my oh, gosh. God. First, they were going to trade for Anthony Davis. 
Then they were going to bring KD, and then it was KD and Kyrie. Then they were going to get the number one pick. They were going to bring Zion. They were going to be this juggernaut. And when the dust settles, they've signed Taj Gibson and Julius Randle. And no no knock against either of those guys. They're nice players. Right. But these are not difference makers. And the well, Knicks are awful well, all, already. Obviously, the Lakers need some pieces, right, around AD and uh, LeBron James. But who substantially got so much better during this free agency thing? Like, I mean, if you're talking about Brooklyn, then you're waiting a, almost a year and a half on right. KD, right? You have a player in Kyrie Irving that nobody wants to play with. I mean, you, you just ask any Celtic they say the right thing. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy, blah, blah, blah. Nobody wanted to play with him in, in, with the Celtics. And then you look at Golden State, a lot of their big pieces are gone. I know they're, they're trying to bring in, I believe, what, Julius Randle? Uh, not Julius Randle, but uh, D'Angelo Russell. D- D'Angelo Russell. But um, who got substantially better? You know, Houston didn't do anything, really. Right. I mean, if you look at all the b- big teams, I mean, I guess – I think the biggest move would be if Kawhi just stayed in right where he was in Toronto or went to the Lakers. So, I mean, I just don't see anybody got, that got that much better. Even Al Horford leaving the Celtics, that's a big piece. I mean, that's a hard guy to guard. He's a big that can shoot the three. So, Yeah, but Philly, that's a big get for Philly. But they lost Redick and uh, they're doing a trade and sending your boy down to Miami. So right. They're, well, look, that's me, a push, or maybe even they got the little, they're not as good because they they may have. But I will say this: that the details of the uh, so here for folks that aren't following this closely, Jimmy Butler is on the verge of signing a deal with the Miami Heat, which move him from Philly to Miami. However, Miami has to clear space to do that. So basically, they're going to give away some parts to Philly, and it looks like to a third team. They had a deal in place that would have sent Josh Richardson to Philly and would have sent Goran Dragic to the Dallas Mavericks so that they had the space to do this deal with Jimmy Butler. Dallas nixed that trade, said they didn't want to take on Dragic's contract. So the Heat put a statement out there, and it was going to be um, it was Damon Jones and Kelly Olenek. And then they came back and said, no, nah, we don't want to do it. Um, so now the Heat are looking for a third team to basically give a couple of players to um, so that they can do the the uh, Jimmy Butler deal. But the Heat were not really a team that was tied to Jimmy Butler through this entire process, so it kind of came out of nowhere. But I don't love the deal for the Heat bringing Jimmy Butler down there because if you're leaking that much talent, if you're giving up Dragic and you're giving up Richardson – and you're investing a max deal into a guy that's a, a good player, a very good player, a star player, not a superstar. Right. Some of these deals I look at and I love them. I, I love the fact Kimba to the Celtics is a good fit for them. I think I think in the short term at least, I think Kimba is a better fit for Boston too. than Kyrie is. Um, I don't understand the Nets' urgency in going out and doing this deal with Kyrie Irving. I honestly, given his age, I felt like D'Angelo Russell, who would have been a little bit cheaper, right. is already part of that franchise, has shown that what he can do in that system. I don't understand why you bounce him and replace him with Kyrie Irving, a guy that's been hurt um, you know, a significant number of times throughout his career, and you're bringing in Durant, who legitimately may not play next year. It's a weird sort of situation out there. 
I know when you see it on, like if you look at it on paper, I remember watching the ticker on ESPN, and I'm like, DeAndre Jordan? I mean, KD? Like, that would have been an awesome pickup three, four, five, five years, years ago. ago. It would have been awesome. But now it's like you got Jordan. He's a little long in the tooth. You got KD. Who knows when he's going to come back. And, again, like I say, like Kyrie Irving is a great player. But, I mean, all the way down to the to the most solid guy and smart with the, the Celtics, just nobody understood his leadership tactics. Right. You know that's, what I mean? That's what concerns me about the whole deal. Are they going to have any chemistry to mesh to be a great team? You know, Kyrie's always got leadership, questionable leadership skills, and nobody wants to play with him. KD's out. Jordan's older. You know, how's that going to work to put them on the map? Now, you know, people in Brooklyn are buying season tickets now, thinking they're going to win a title, but I don't know. I've, I've got a lot of questions about that that core group. Well, when you look at it, you, you know, you're taking D'Angelo Russell out of that mix. You're, you're plugging in Kyrie, and assuming that he's healthy, it's close to a wash. I mean, in, in the very near term, if both those guys are healthy, I think, you know, they're both top-shelf point guards. The thing, the Nets are sort of that team of, spare parts that are really, really talented that people really didn't even understand how good they were until we got in the playoffs and got, right. got to see him run. Spencer Didwitty, Karis LeVert. If Karis LeVert can stay healthy, he is an all-star. Uh, Jared Allen, one of the best young men in, in ba- or young big men in basketball. The Nets have got some things going on. That's why it's a little surprising they went all in and they invest all of that cheese into Durant. But they're doing it with the hopes that KD gets back to being KD you know, and has another four, five, six great years left in the tank. I I just don't know sacrificing that one year with no KD in there. I think that for, you know, what it looks like right now is the Nets are going to be an awful lot like the Nets were last year. And I don't know that that's exciting. That's not a a team loaded enough with talent that they're going to challenge for an NBA championship. So first first off, happy Bobby Bonilla Day, gentlemen. Oh, is it that day? Bobby Bonilla, every July 1st, gets that $1.2 million until 2035 with the Mets. So yeah, happy Bobby Bonilla ever. Day. Happy a ba- great move Bobby. from 2011 to 2005, if somebody, or 2035, $1.2 million. It, it shouldn't be Bobby Bonilla Day. It should be Bobby Bonilla's agent day. Well, right. whatever it is, it's a brilliant day for Didn't Bobby Didn't you Bo. explain to me, one of you baseball guys, about how, how that deal actually worked out? Like, yeah, sure. I mean, Trent, Trent, Trent can church you up on the whole thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it was all part of the negotiations. I think it was a brilliant move, and I think more athletes – knowing some of the financial woes that they get right. into afterwards should think about doing this. Yeah, the Mets were broke, and they went to Bobby Bonilla and asked to defer a whole bunch of money yep. because they were cash poor. They went through a whole thing with an ownership changeover, um, and Bobby Bonilla is still cashing checks. So they can, thank him for being, later. they can thank him for being really sorry right now, right? As, uh, as they're pay- handing him that money... They can thank him for oh, being Oh, it's not one Bobby Bonilla's fault that they're <laughs> sorry. There's, they got, there's they got a whole lot more reasons. worse That's a whole other topic going on than that. And I speaking re- of... I really like, actually, this whole free agency. The Indiana Pacers... That's who, exactly who I was going to say. quietly yes. making some booms yeah. there. Because, yes. first of all, they were good last year. A surprise. Surprisingly yep. good. Without Oladipo. And he gets hurt, and they got a young core, and they add uh, Lamb and... Um, Brogdon. Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. 
I was like, quietly, they've gotten oh, better. Yeah. Like, uh, overall, I think I thought they got better in, so far in free agency than any other team. I, I, I have think all the depot back. So before the dust settles, I'm willing to say that you know the first day of free agency. Indiana probably did the most to improve their squad. There's some there's some things happening, some machinations going on. Be interesting to see. But you know, people talk about Golden State. Golden State just demonstrated again why they have the best front office in basketball. You know, they could have left Durant walk away for nothing. Right. And a lot of teams have seen their superstar walk away for nothing. But at the last minute they swoop in and out of nowhere they parlay this into a sign and trade. So, yes, they're losing Kevin Durant, but they're getting D'Angelo Russell. So, for at least one year, it's a huge net positive right. because D'Angelo Russell's actually going to play basketball. And when you think about that, you're like, oh, well, they have the best point guard in the world. Well, think about a small lineup with D'Angelo Russell at the point, Curry at the two, and Clay Thompson running at the three. That's pretty exciting. That's yeah. as good a shooting. I mean, we talk about a great shooting backcourt. Man. All right, we'll be back on the other side. We're about 15 minutes away from Chucky Brown. Uh, excited about that. NC State legend. You're listening to From the Chief Seats. Stay tuned. From the Chief Seats will be right back. We are there, day one with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting? Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ed Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous, too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN.
All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seat. You can check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Um, guys, I want to talk about the U.S. women's national team and this run in the World Cup. And I want to talk specifically about Megan Rapino, who set a, a new standard over the weekend. She scored multiple goals in back-to-back elimination games. That's the first time it's ever happened. Ever, ever. Um, she is one of the faces of this U.S. women's national team. And she's on record as saying she would not accept an invitation to the White House. Um, I respect anybody's politics. And I, I get, I suppose, if I assume why she might be resistant to go. But how do you guys feel about her putting the, the, you know, the White House and the president in general out on blast like that? What's the difference from Golden State doing it and Steve Kerr? The big difference is that the U.S. women's national team and, and these women's soccer players who are the best in the world at what they do are not always in the public consciousness. So you've got limited windows where you are a legit celebrity on the landscape of American pop culture and sports. And rather than further that with a trip to the White House, whatever the case might be, you use that platform and say, these are my politics. I'm not interested. How, though? If you go to the White House, you're going to alienate everybody that you stand up for and are fighting for. Are you really? Yes. Absolutely. Talk to me about that. All the people that are against Trump and everything that has supposedly happened in his past and things that he's doing currently, that would alienate that whole U.S. team or her to that. If she goes to the White House, it's not going to give them that. I mean, going to the White House, is that going to get them paid properly? That's my question. Is it going to get and, fair and, pay? No, well, absolutely I'll be, not. I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm not the one that has to do it. But I think if I was in Megan Rapinoe's shoes, I, if asked, would you go to the White House, I might have said something to the effect, I don't know, is the president going to, you know, get behind getting us paid what we're worth? Yeah, you know, I mean, did because it get them paid more when they visited the White House with Obama in there. No, I, you know, my thing with it is, is you know, the president loves to weigh in on things and tweet and spend you know five seconds worth of energy interjecting himself into different issues. I think it'd be a great opportunity for the White House to get involved and get some positive spin because I don't know that there's too many people out there that understand what's going on economically with the women's professional soccer players in the country at the international level but i don't think there's anybody that's out there yeah they're, they're getting paid more than they deserve anyway you know you watch the men last night and and hey bless the u.s men they actually are on a pretty good little run you know they sputtered and struggled to a 1-0 victory over curacao i don't know if any of you guys watched that did you no uh, i chose to pass that was the gold cup quarterfinals and curacao a, a an island nation in the caribbean of a total of 160,000 people pushed the u.s to the brink yesterday and really for probably 70 of the 90 minutes outplayed the u.s the u.s escapes um on a goal by weston mckinney early and then they just sort of hung on for dear life it was kind of it was kind so, of hard to so watch here's the question yeah and I'm not a soccer fan, so and I don't follow. Oh, we about to so, school you then. Well, help me understand why small nations of 160,000 can have soccer teams that can compete with us, where we have 300 plus million. The numbers don't seem to work in my mind. We should okay. be better because based it, well, on the f- numbers. The first part of it is 
every baby born in some of these smaller countries are born with a soccer ball in their arms. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so that's all they know. That's all they do. I mean, why? Uh, Costin was just showing us some video of this guy playing rugby who popped his knee back in joint. That's all they know in New Zealand is rugby. If you go into like the equivalent of Belk in New Zealand, all you see is the All Blacks jerseys up. You don't see like the Lakers and stuff like that. That's I think that's the larger reason why these guys put out so many soccer players is because that's the only Culturally, option they're really Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it it's is. the only option, but it's the preferred option in some of these countries. Well, it's not the only option, but it's the option that's going to get you paid. Right. Now, with Curaçao, it's you, you have to be fair here. Curaçao is a former Dutch colony. So, there are a lot of Dutch-born players who find their way to Curaçao because their grandma or grandpa was from Curaçao or whatever. So, to say it's just isolated that 160,000 disingenuous. But here's the thing is that in America, when you look across the spectrum Let's let's look at North Carolina. North Carolina, uh, a young man that's coming up through the system that's nine, ten years old that is that has identified themselves as a supreme athlete. What is the likelihood that soccer is going to be the sport that they focus on? It's not great. First of all, you know, if you want the pathway to riches that you can see from here, the NBA, the NFL, MLB. If I had a child right now that was a superstar athlete, he'd be playing baseball. Baseball is forever money, right? Life changing money. Bobby but, B- Bobby Bonilla, yeah, man. Bobby Bonilla still cashing Brad checks for one point two million dollars. I mean, there's not very many American soccer players around right now that can make one point two million a year. Bobby Bonilla is doing it from the golf car golf course right now, still making residual money from baseball. So when you look at it from a kid's standpoint, first of all, what's plastered all over the television all the time? That's the influence. What's what's cool? What's going to get me girls? You know, and it isn't soccer. Now, the kids that end up being soccer players, for the most part, you may have some 1B type athletes, but for the most part, you know, we treat soccer from a public standpoint like a it's a it's a something everybody can play. You know what I mean? At the youth levels, we don't treat it competitively. We don't try to develop talent. It's a social gathering for a lot of folks. Now, now you move forward to travel soccer, which is where your talent is in America. Travel soccer is unbelievably expensive. So you've eliminated lots of your top athletes, even if they wanted to play soccer at that level, because the families can't make that financial commitment and can't bear the burden that crushes them with all of the travel associated with that. You know, your high school soccer programs in the in the uh, country are not where the feeders are into the colleges is travel soccer. The whole thing is busted. Yeah, I I agree with that to a certain extent. We've had that conversation many times, but I mean, how do you explain how where Dominican baseball players come from? I mean, they're like basically rolling up a ball of tape and taking a stick and playing. I mean, they become really, really good baseball players without some of this travel. If you can hit a a ball rolled up in tape, you can hit a baseball. I I mean, I know... (laughs) It sounds funny, but that's how these kids end up growing up playing, you know. And I in think Puerto Rico, they use pop cut caps. Yeah, soda caps. If you can Bottle hit a caps. soda cap, you can hit a baseball. Yeah. So I guess my point is, is that I think it's more the focus on the sport, right. the preferred for sport, than anything else. Because in, in the United States, you have all these options, and it's like you know, I don't understand why we don't have good soccer here. 
Right. I, I, other than the well, fact that they just don't get any play. Like if you go on the ESPN, you have to like click three or four buttons to get yeah, to. The, you got to find it. Yeah, you got to go find soccer. Yeah. I mean, the gold just cup, past hockey. The gold cup is going on right now, which for American international soccer on the men's side is one of the two or three most important championships that they play in on a regular basis. Right. First of all, CONCACAF, and it's, it, it, they're idiots. It's up against the Women's World Cup, where the focus is on women's <laughs> soccer right <laughs> now. So you're going to run this out there, and they're running it at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. The U.S. men are playing Curacao. Come on, man. You know, you're, you're burying this stuff on the dial. You're not putting any feature into it. I know what the Gold Cup is. Do you have any idea who plays in the Gold Cup? I could not tell you. Brandon, do you know who plays in the Gold Cup? Isn't it? No, I don't. <laughs> Trent, you know, I love how all, all North American teams. Yeah, it's teams like uh, here. Isn't Canada, it? Me- Mexico. Mexico. And the Caribbean. Yep. I love how everybody in the booth ran away from Chris's original question on this segment about Rapino not going to the White House. We didn't want any part of that. <laughs> I do. The one question I do have is that don't go. Lady. Everybody who has passed on a White House visit due to the current president, as they get older, I'd like to interview those people and see, like you know, if they're up in age, do you regret not going? Because me personally, you'd have to be. For me, it's just the process and the position. I would not be able to pass up a trip to the White House, right. me personally. And I understand why Rapino is, and I respect that. But I wonder what her future interview would be like. Like, man, I had a real opportunity to, like, go. And like, not everybody gets to go. You're talking about all these people who are, you know, underprivileged all over the world that never have a chance to even step foot on the grounds. You know what I mean? So I would have a hard time passing up on that. If the United States president was taking away my civil rights as a human being, I wouldn't go meet him. I don't care. And that's what he's doing to your daughters, Brandon. So enjoy (laughs) that trip to the White House. (laughs) And, And he's giving out fast food. Yeah, yeah, and he's giving burgers and stuff out. Look, I am not, I am not a, a defender of the president. Right. I am not a defender of the president. However, the fast food thing has been per the request of the teams that have come in. That has been what they have asked for. You can get... Sure, I, just I, like the Russian. I, I get I'm just telling you. The, uh, no, no, that town. statement, the whole thing started with the Clemson football team. Clemson... Is they asked for that specifically, and Clemson came out and confirmed that and said, "Yes, that's what we wanted." The guy we asked the guys what they wanted. They wanted McDonald's. Well, yeah, that's, that's what the there, White House. There is a McDonald's by every college campus in America. But, well, look here. I, 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 White House one thing so, so I, I, I spent the weekend in D.C. and and I'm I'm ashamed to admit that I'd never done the whole D.C. thing with all of the monuments and all this all the other stuff that was out there. So we went to the museums. We hit all of the memorials. All the rest. It was a great trip. Great trip. Um, the group of folks that I was with, though, the thing that they were most blown away by in downtown Washington D.C. is that we stayed at the Hyatt Regency, about a block and a half from the hotel, from the uh, Capitol. Two blocks the other direction, there's a Walmart in the middle of downtown D.C. That was the thing that they were most impressed by <laughs> was that they could go to Walmart if they chose to in the middle of well, D.C. And I'll add, we've had the uh, Lee County High football staff coaches coaching staff in on the show before and they said what you know we were like hey how can we like you know do something for the the program and they said hey feed us one time because i do have a restaurant and i asked them i was like well what kind of food do you guys want because we're like a higher-end restaurant and they said uh we want hamburgers and hot dogs i mean i mean that's what kids that age want to eat simple as that 
apparently, and chicken nuggets. Man, listen, apparently, if I go to the White House, I want the best steak. I know, I hear you, but not everybody's got taste like you. I hear you. I'm going to see if I can put hands on a steak for you during the break. You're listening to from the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina. Other side of the break, Chucky Brown will be with us. I'm fired up about it, but not half as fired up as Brandon Atkins. <laughs> The Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC. Broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in point one miles. <sighs> Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. Welcome back from the Chief Seas, Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, the inimitable Robert Bricky, and Professor Trent Nichols, who's sitting in the corner with a play-by-play headset. We need to do you like Howard Stern does. We need to put you in into another booth with your headset on so that we can see you from across the way. That would be dope. 
That's why I got and a little edge to me. I'm sitting here looking at your backs. He is. Forgetting he, I'm here. You are a little salty. Arr. You are a little salty. But you did remind us that it was uh, Bobby Bonilla Day. Um, I think we have Chucky Brown on the phone. Is that correct, Bean Town? He is. Chucky, can you hear us? I hear you loud and clear. What's going on? Man, I am fantastic and hope you are too. Now you yeah, recently I'm doing great. That is that is awesome. Now, I, as a as a former NBA player, are you keeping track of what's going on with free agency this year? I'm watching, um, but I'm I'm really not liking the the tabloid aspect of it. Like it's <laughs> like it's almost like the National Enquirer out here, all the gossip going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm not liking that aspect of it. But I mean, it is what it is. You know, we're in a uh, more uh, technology age, so. I guess it's to be expected. But, yeah, I'm watching what's going on. All right. So Adrian Wojnarowski has, has like, taken over all of NBA right. media. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. you, you have any you have any insight on how that happened? Man, I have no idea. I mean, he, he got some sources because, uh, you know, the stuff that he seems to say uh, seems to all come to fruition, you can, you can say. Um, but, I mean, he got, he got good sources. Maybe he... You know, maybe he was a ball boy on every team growing up, and now the <laughs> the, the executives are now, you know, was his ball. Now, I mean, he got some kind of way of knowing what's going on, but, I mean, he got his pulse on what's happening. Man, it is amazing. Now, you, you talk about all the tabloids and all the rest of that. They had a hard time keeping up with where you were going to land throughout your career. Right, right. Now, now I'm not even going to ask you to actually do it, but if you had to, <laughs> Could right. you sit down with a pad of paper and write in order all of the NBA teams that you played for? Oh, I don't need a pad of paper. I'm good. I, oh. I got that. It, it's, uh, yeah, I got I got the, the the memory of an elephant when it comes to that because okay. I went through it. Now, now, <laughs> I, now, people may not they may not realize you actually have an NBA championship ring from the '95 Rockets team. Is that correct? That's 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 correct. Yes. What are your What are your memories about that squad? Um, I mean, it, it was, it was just, uh, I guess the best memory is that, um, you know, what we went through, um, and it was funny cause I just went up to the big three and I just saw Clyde and me and Clyde just went to the back and laughed about a lot of stuff, uh, that went on that season. But it was just like the, 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 the togetherness that we had on the court. Now we didn't see each other off the court, but like when we came to practice, and just everyone knowing their role, I think that's the, the, the best memory because you, you can play on a lot of teams. and um, it, It's not necessarily the best teams that win, but it's the best teams that play as a team. You know, or I should say the more talented team, they're not necessarily the ones that win, but the teams that you know play as a team um, and know their role, those are the ones that win. So I guess my best memory is going through the playoffs and um, – you know, everyone just knowing their role and just doing what they had to do. I guess that's my best memory. Gee, let me let me ask you this. So you've played at the highest level. You've been all, all over the world with basketball and done a lot of really cool things. Right. How do you translate that message to your latest venture, coaching at the high school level? Uh, I let them know, you know, right off the top. Like, listen, you know, um, if anything that you want to be successful at, you know, you got to work hard at it. And you can't, you know, you're going to look across. I told him, you know, we're going to look across that other <laughs> that other basket and we're going to look down there and look at the layup line and say, oh, my goodness, we got to play against them. Right. But what you have to do is realize that they put their pants on just like you 
And that might be a night where you have to outwork somebody. You know what I'm saying? So you should all, the one thing you can control is your effort. You can't control if the ball goes in the basket or not, but you can control your effort. And that's the message that I try to relate to the kids that I'm working with. Now, you, took, you just took the job at West Johnston High School. And yep. you've, you played at the highest level. You've played all over the world. You coached, right. in, the, uh, you coached in the G League. You've been yep. all over the place. How did, how did the high school job, how did that come about? Is that something you said, I'm at this point in my life, this is what I want to do? Did the school come after you? How did this all come, how did it come together? Uh, the opportunity was, was, was crazy because it was just for me training one of the kids and one day his dad asked me, uh, yeah, if, if the job came over, what I would be interested. So I, I, I kind of said, yeah, you know, at the time I said, yeah, not, not thinking that it would ever come over, <laughs> right. not thinking that it would come over. But uh, one day, you know, I was just at home and got a phone call from the uh, uh, assistant principal, and uh, he said, hey, you know, I heard you had some interest in the job. Is that true? I said, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, uh, and he said, would you like to come talk to talk to me about it? You know, and I said, uh, yeah, I'll come out there and talk to you. I'll, I'll come out there and hear what you got to say. You know what I'm saying? So I go out there, and I walk into the room, and it's the assistant principal, the principal, and, and the athletic director. So when I get in there, I'm like, oh, man, this is an interview. You know, so I, I came in. I wasn't dressed or nothing like that for it. Um, and, you know, we just sat and talked. And at the end of it, I was just like, look, you know, I, I had no idea this was going to be an interview. I thought I was just coming to talk to you about the job. Um, you know, so... If you still feel like, you know, you're interested in me, you know, let me know. If not, I understand. So go ahead and talk to who you're going to talk to. And then a couple of days later, they called me and offered me the job. And that's how it happened. Wow. So tell the truth. Did they, they, they locked the door, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they held you hostage. Uh-huh. <laughs> nah, they didn't. <laughs> nah, they didn't. <laughs> oh, not that I know of, anyway. <laughs> well, we, we, we're we afraid we're going to lose Robert to one of these high school teams. Rasheed Wallace taking a job up in Raleigh as well, coaching high school basketball. Right. Yeah, they're setting, the, setting the bar pretty high, but... I'm sure that, you know, there's there's not very many kids that come through the, the high school pipeline that get to play for an NBA champion at the high school right. level. That's That's got to be an amazing experience for those guys just to get your perspective and all of that knowledge. I got a quick question. Yeah. Uh, Chucky, you, you played against Robert in college, correct? Right. Right, right. Did you ever seek out his jersey to try to dunk on him at, at any given point during the <laughs> nah, game? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, Rob was always cool. We was always cool. You know what I'm saying? We, we like, a lot of the fans uh, take, like, the rivalry so serious, you know what I'm saying? But the players, like, we used to go over to Carolina and play. You know, we used to go over to Duke and play. Yep. You know, sometimes Carolina Cats come over to NC State and play. And we all, like, we see each other. You know, it's nothing but, you know, love. You know what I'm saying? Like, last time I saw Robert was at the Duke State game. Yep. So I walked, you know, walked over and said, well, I think him and Kevin Strickland were together. Yep, I think we it was were. them two. Yep. So, you know, I mean, it's it's all love. I never, you know, seeked out Robert for nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? I know Robert probably seeked out a couple of state cats <laughs> to dunk on. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, man, you know what I loved about you guys? Because I knew you guys because you guys were from, from North Carolina. Right, and, uh, right. You know, you and Brian Howard, uh, Avi, and all those guys. So, you know, and I would hang out with Avi. Uh, right. So, you know, like, you, you guys are always always cool with me. Yeah, like I said, you know, like the the, the the fans take the rivalry so serious, but the players are, you know, the players are, you know, we yeah, we want to win, but 
Um, it's nothing. It's nothing. Never been nothing personal or nothing right. like that. Not, well, know, I'm going to say I'm going to try not sound too much like a fanboy, but you were one of my favorite NC State players coming up. And and when I found out that you were on the show, I called up my brother and I said, "We have a NC State basketball player on the show," <laughs> and all I'd had to do. And oddly enough, it was against Duke, so no offense, Robert. All I had to do was describe one of your dunks to my brother, and I got halfway through the description, and he said, Chucky Brown, you got Chucky Brown on the show? <laughs> and you probably don't remember it because you dunked so many times, but it's, it's the one against Duke when you were closing them out, and you dunked, and you kind of swung around, and you did this pose with your hand in front of your face. And oh, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember. One. Yes, okay. You remember that one? That was, <laughs> yeah, that was I remember uh, watching. Phil Henderson got the foul. Phil Henderson got the foul. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that you remember it because I remember exactly where I was when I was watching that. And all I had to do was tell my brother, hey, man, <laughs> this is the this guy don't like this. And he goes, oh, that's Chucky Brown. That's awesome. So, hey, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank Chucky, I, I, w- I wanted to ask you, did Robert – show that brand new basketball move that he invented did he teach you his uh, <laughs> brand new move the crossover that he invented well, see, nah, Chuck, not Chuck wasn't I, I wasn't learn it though that was in the 70s that was, oh. yeah maybe we, didn't we didn't know it. we didn't know until robert came on the show that robert invented the crossover, invented the crossover yeah yeah it didn't okay. get popular until okay. I started doing it about 71 yeah <laughs> it's amazing the things you can learn listening to a a, a, a lee county based uh, radio show. So right. I want to I want to know. So the Houston Rockets and those two championships they won in the mid nineties. Right. There there are an awful lot of folks that forget about those because they're tucked right. between the two uh, three peats for the Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls. Right. In your heart of hearts, had Michael Jordan not gone played baseball, would you guys have dusted him off? Of course, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. Now, if you go back and look at the records of the, I know the regular season and the and the postseason are totally different. I do know that, but the but uh, the Rockets beat them, or we beat them uh, both times we played them. So they had the one, the one. Well, we had the one guy that was that they couldn't match up with, and that's Dream. I know they had a lot of fouls with uh, Winnington and. And Purdue uh, and all the Purdue, rest of them. yeah. But still, they had we had the one guy that they could not match up with, and Dream was in his prime at the time. So, right. uh, I still think that um, there's no question we would have beat. All right, if you had one guy that you played with throughout your entire career that you mm-hmm. had to play two on two for the for the fate of the universe in your hands, which of your former teammates is going to pair up with you to to play that game against the aliens? Uh, me and Dream. That's what I figured. Yeah. That's what Me I think. Dream, you know, Dream gonna block every shot they take. So, he was a, he was a uh, matchup nightmare. He was just he could do he could do it all, and yep. so you know when you scheme in to try to stop a guy, just you know, or maybe he can't shoot. You give him some space. You know, if he's got right. no post, you know, it's there's ways to scheme a guy. You could not scheme him. Yep, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So uh, I would definitely take Dream, and, uh, and as long as I'm making a, a my mid range shot. We win the game because I know Gene's gonna get coming. <laughs> <laughs> now you played you played for the uh, the iconic Jim Valvano. Yes. What now? After the fact, he mm-hmm. has risen in the in the consciousness of America and become this legend for everything he did as a coach, as a motivational speaker, 
as a right. as a cancer fighter and even you know in his death his his you know his life is has been used to to raise all this money and awareness for cancer did you right. have any idea in the moment when you were a young you know 20 something year old young man being around this guy what he meant and and what his legacy would become no nah, i had no idea um what he would become you know i just know that you know while playing for even like when they were recruiting me, like when I first moved down to North Carolina, uh, my high school coach used to work NC State camp. So that's the first place he bought me was the NC State, you know. And, um, you know, me coming down from New York and V being from Queens, that was kind of the connection for me, you know what I'm saying? So and then when I came on my visits or when I used to come up, they used to always put me with Lorenzo Charles, who was from Brooklyn. <laughs> so, and Ernie Myers was from New York. So they put me with the right guys. So, you know, I kind of, I didn't really know about NC State uh, when I came down um, to North Carolina. I knew about North Carolina and I knew about Duke. I, I came down here with a North Carolina T-shirt on and a pair of Duke shorts on. So that shows you how much <laughs> I knew about the rivalry. I didn't know anything about the rivalry, you know what I'm saying? So I was a Syracuse guy. So um, I grew up a Syracuse fan, you know, watching Pearl. Uh, Wendell Alexis um, and those guys, you know, I watched those guys growing up. So, um, you know, I had no idea that Coach V would be what, you know, what he has, has, has uh, became, you know what I'm saying? But it, it's very well deserved. Um, you know, he was always telling us right, you know, despite what the media would say about him. Uh, he was always telling us right. And most of the, the media that had negative things to say about him, they didn't know him and they didn't know what was going on. Um, inside the program. Wow. It's always interesting to hear about the recruiting battles. You say you were a Syracuse guy. You come down here to North Carolina. What did your decision come down to? Uh, my Basically, you know, my decision came down to, to being comfortable with the guys on the team because I didn't know anything about the school. Like I said, I came down from New York, and I remember Bob Bender. I thought Bob Bender was working at Duke at the time. So Bob Bender had started recruiting me. Um, and Eddie Fogler was over at Carolina at the time. And, uh, like I said, I would come up to NC State, uh, while I was in high school for games and they would like pair me with Lorenzo Charles, you know, who was from Brooklyn. So I had somebody that I could identify with, um, who we could talk New York stuff with. Um, and like Ernie Myers, me and Ernie Myers knew some of the same people because my father drove the city bus and his uncle, my father's friends with his uncle. And uh, his uncle actually used to come over to our house, so I, that was it. Was just a familiarity for me um, why I chose NC State. I didn't know, you know, anything about the school. I knew nothing about the school. And um, uh, you know, Jimmy Black was a guy who was at Carolina who went to my high school, Cardinal Hayes in the Bronx. So, you know, it's funny. I'm cheering for Carolina against Georgetown in the '82 championship because of Jimmy Black. Because Jimmy Black is from New York. So, I mean, it's just funny how all this, you know, has, 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 uh, you know, come out. Because a lot of people don't know that, you know, the whole reason why I wore 52 was because of James Worthy. So, my favorite player went to Carolina, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I had the familiarity with the NC State guys. Interesting. Wow, so it looks like, you know, it wouldn't have taken much for UNC to 
push that over. Sounds like right. UNC dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I. Yeah, yeah, when you say yeah, I wore fifty two because James Worthy was my well, guy. I'm glad they we blew that Duke at least because I probably wouldn't have had a spot had you gone to Duke. So. <laughs> now, I don't know about that, Brick. We'd have been playing together. We'd have been playing together for sure. <laughs> So, what are your expectations for the for the Wildcats there at West Johnson this year? We're, we're, what do you hope to have that program by the end of the year? Uh, I hope to have us confident, playing hard. I mean, I, I, like I told the kids, you know, you got to set your goals high, and um, you know, we're going to go out and try to work hard. You know, I, I haven't seen all of the schools in the conference play, um, but you know, we just went to team camp, and I found out a lot about the kids, and I found out a lot about myself. You know, and as far as, you know, find, I found out more about myself because now I have to, you know, I found out at the high school level, you have to teach a little more. Like, you, you, you play with the pros, you tell them what to do, go out there, they go out there and do it. So high school, you have to give them more direction. So, you know, um, I found that out about myself when I didn't give the kids good direction. Um, at the team camp, they didn't perform well. But when I gave them good direction, they performed excellent. So... You know, I, I expect us to be pretty good and very competitive. And what's your what's your philosophy? Are you a guy that has a system, and you're going to plug folks into that system, or are you somebody that looks at what I've got, figures out what you think they can do well, and then adjusts to that instead? Yeah, I, I, I look at what I got. I'm a guy that look at looks at what I got and uh, try try to um, if I have a player that's good at something, I try to find a way to use what he's good at. Uh, use a player's strengths. So I'm, I'm that type of guy. I'm not a type of guy that has a system and you have to play in this system or you can't play. No, I find out what you're good at and I try to use what you're good at. And, and, and uh, well, let me ask you, know, you this, Chuck. Try, try to do it like that. Let me ask you this. In my opinion, okay. every kid today thinks they're headed to the NBA. Every parent right. of every kid thinks they're headed to the NBA. How right. do you deal with kids and helping them understand where they are and then helping them develop a plan to get to where they need to be? Uh, I think the first thing you probably do is you, 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 you sit them down and let them know, like, yo, your chances of getting uh, to the NBA, you know, everybody has that dream. Right. Uh, and I think the second thing you got to do is, is schedule, make a tough schedule. You know, get your head beat in a little bit and say, hey, you ain't as good as you thought you were. You know what I'm saying? So you, you schedule, you make a tough schedule. Um, and a schedule that, you know, I mean, not to not to deflate the confidence or nothing like that, but just let them know, like, look, it's hard. You know, you got you got to work hard, and you know, you 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 want to play on that level, but this is you know, this is who you got to go through, and need, this is who you got to uh, be better than in order to get to that level. You know what I'm saying? So I I think I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it like that. Okay. So if you need to break one of these kids down. You know, in this context or someplace else, are you willing to play in one on one? Oh my goodness! Uh, only maybe in the half court. All right, and, uh, all right, all right. Because I, I asked I the same the question to Bricky with this with this Raleigh um, um, Firebirds situation, right. and he looked at me like I had lost my mind. But uh, <laughs> at least I like your confidence a little bit better. You know what? In the half court, in I, my, I, I in my mind, something. I can still compete. <laughs> right, my body just doesn't hold up the same. So right. I don't want to limp around for a few days because I had to show uh, God and practice how you know a move. But 
Right. So I've uh, yeah. There's certain rules. There's certain rules now. My rule is gonna be my rules only, and it's half court. Game is to three. I get the ball first, and I call all my fouls. So it's gonna be a no win situation for them. So you know what I'm saying? So that's yeah, the I can do it rules. without a doubt. That's, that's fair. I think that's reasonable at this point. As a as a coach, what do you think your what do you think your strongest attribute is? I think my strongest attribute is reaching reaching people and um getting the the getting them to play at a, a maximum effort um i think that's my strong my strong point all right and and i mean we talked about jim valvano in in all of the the stops that you made throughout uh-huh. your career what coaches did the most to influence and shape you as a as a man and as a a player um, I think as a man, I think uh, I think Coach V helped because I spent the most time with him. Um, I was able to, you know, it was able to the relationship was able to get a little personal. You know what I'm saying? Whereas when you play for in the pros, the relationships aren't personal. You know, you, it's hard to get personal. It's, it's business. Yeah. So um, I definitely got to say Coach V. I'll say uh, Paul Silas because. I played for Paul on multiple teams, so I was able to get a little. I was able to get a little personal with Paul on the professional level because you know it was in New Jersey, um, Charlotte for a couple of years. So um, we spent at least three or four years together, and um, that helped the relationship get a little bit personal. So any coach that I was able to develop a personal relationship with has able has been able to have an influence on my life. If I haven't been able to develop some type of personal relationship with you. I'm sorry, you can't have you know, you can't have a spot, you know what I'm saying, in my heart really, because, you know, you have to get a little personal to to, to get close with people. Now, I was gonna say when at looking at the wiki page for West Johnson High School, at the very top it's the marching band. How long is it gonna be there before you bump that down the the wiki page and replace it with you know, men's basketball there? Oh, we got a couple months. We got a couple more months. We got a couple months. Let's get that done. <laughs> I want to. I want to know. As you look at this, I can only think of a few guys in professional sports that is that have made the number of stops that you did at the highest level. There's right. got to be. There's got to be something. Yeah, you know, most folks after you know three or four stops, they're out of league. You never hear from them again. Maybe they're playing in Europe, whatever the case might be. What do you think right. it was about your game or your personality? That, that teams wanted to have you back in the system and felt like you, you, you had a lot of value in terms of what they were trying to do? I think, um, number one, I was a good teammate. Um, I was able to get along with guys and, you know, not not be a problem guy. Um, I think my work ethic also um, played a part in it. Um, so I think those 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 are the two biggest things right there you know you know you got to be a good teammate and one thing that you know people don't want is problems in the locker room i was never a, a problem in the locker room you know you got these guys they call them uh, locker room lawyers who separate the team <laughs> you know separate the team <laughs> you know half go with him half are against them you know what I'm saying and those usually aren't uh you know good teams you know but i was never a locker room lawyer I always like to bring guys together um, and like I said, I go out on the court, play hard. I knew my role. Whatever the coach told me or asked me to do, I did it. Um, did, you know, never had a problem. Like you know, even even if I wanted to, like curse a coach out, I never did it. 
So um, that was never, you know, in my character to, to do something like that. You know, never find them. You know, like whatever they said, you know, I took it and, you know, I listened to what they said and not the tone. You know, my father taught me that early. Um, so, I mean, I think that was it, though. You know, just the work ethic and just being a good teammate and just being someone that people like being around. Well, there's a, a lot of lessons that can be drawn off yeah. that. Yeah. And look, you know you know what I like? You, you've got to convey that same message to your current team. Character counts. Right. Character, right. character you know, team, yes. Yes, you're right. You're and, exactly. you know, um, one of the other things I was going to say, you made a point earlier about giving instructions. Let me tell you, at that level, because I've coached at that level. Right. You, the minute you think you can, they, you can take something for granted, if, if you think they're going to get it, Without you right. having to explain it, that's when you're gonna bite yourself in your own butt. Right. <laughs> so, so Chuck, let me tell right. you, man, you got every little thing you've got to explain. That's gonna be my advice to you, today. Every okay. little okay. thing, because you 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 say they, they ought to understand that. Nope. Then you're gonna have to go right. back and explain it later. So, right. Uh, take yeah, that. Take that for what's worth. Yeah, I appreciate. That. I appreciate that advice, man. I, and I, I'm actually taking all advice. I've called my high school coach. You know, I've called other guys that coached in high school, and I've taken all the advice I can. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and none of them have given me that yet, so I appreciate that, Britt. <laughs> don't worry, man. Don't worry. In fact, I'm going to come see you play this year once you, once you get rolling. Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to take a road trip out. That'll be, that'll yeah. be fun. That'll be yeah, fun. do that because we play uh, – we actually play with Sheen Wallace now. Uh, I think our first game is against uh, uh, Durham Jordan. Uh, oh. When I get scared, I'll see. But I know we do play them. Okay. All right. Oh, we will be – we will we'll have, we'll have to be in, the, yeah, in attendance. Most definitely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being with us on the phone. It's been Chucky Brown. Chuck, and we appreciate it, man. It, this hey, awesome. I appreciate uh, you having me, man. I appreciate it. All right. We'd love to get you back on once uh, once it gets rolling and see if you're pulling your hair out. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I don't have much hair. I got a beard, so I might be pulling that out. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> well, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, man. Thanks, Chucky. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was fun. Chuck's a good guy. I can see why he stayed on 12 teams because he's he's a quality person. Yes, sir. NBA ring. He is one of the – I think he may be the only person to have a CBA and an NBA ring in the same season. Oh, wow. That's hard to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. After the CBA season, he signed on with the Rockets and went and won the championship. It's pretty pretty bananas. Yeah. Pretty bananas. And then they made a trade for Charles Barkley, and Houston went downhill ever since. (laughs) Yeah. And I managed to get through the whole segment without calling him Chucky Booker one time. I was going to kill you. you I know you were. I know you were. I was on pins and needles, man. Pins and needles. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. 
One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrity's on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm a little disappointed. No interview in the next, like, 15 minutes because that seems to be a whole lot more interesting than anything I have to say today. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Well, you I'm know, not going to lie. In the next half hour, though, Phil Ford should be with us. And, and, you know, in the last two weeks, we've gone Duke, NC State. No no, no slight against UNC. We had to, had to round it out. I, I guess next we gotta, we got to dig up Wake Forest. Yeah, we'll make that happen. I'll, uh, I'll get Rodney Rogers on him. How about that? That'd, That'd be, be awesome. Oh, wow. 
I I was playing, but yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, great guy. Do you know anybody that's not a guy? Who's a, who do you know that's not a great? I guy? I can't say that on the air. Yeah, I I'll get at you. I'll get at you in the break. I know a couple of. Get jerks. at you in the break. Trent, <laughs> Trent, Trent is Trent is on. Trent is a jerk. Trent's on. We have our jerk right quota now. here in the booth already with Trent Nichols. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, have you guys ever been to DC and spent time there? I'm sure you have. Yes. Yeah. What's what's your what's your favorite part about D, about DC? What what stands man, out most? Uh, restaurants, bars, kind of a especially when the weather's nice. You can walk around Georgetown area, uh, and have, hang out, and have a good time. My brother used to live there. Okay, and uh, so we had a couple of good times there. But uh, yeah, my food, favorite, you know, food restaurant. Yeah, my favorite part about DC is actually not going into DC and just chilling in Alexandria <laughs> because they got the restaurants and it's. Man, you you take one wrong turn oh, in God, DC, yeah. and you're like your destination is another forty five minutes away because you just get caught in traffic. Yeah, it took us two and a half hours to get out of the city on the way back. We actually parked in Alexandria at a friend's house, and. Uh, drove in and they were like oh yeah it's it's not very far you're good and we were trying to save a buck on parking because it was like 65 bucks a day to park at the hotel i'm like man 250 right to park for a couple days so we coordinated with some friends in alexandria they're like yeah you should park here we'll meet you there you just leave your car here or whatever yeah 70 dollars cab fare to get in there from alexandria <laughs> and then we ended up having the car moved whatever the case might be but i didn't drive into dc and frankly, the traffic wasn't too bad getting to Alexandria. So I'm like, oh, dude, this old D.C. traffic thing is overrated. This is no worse than yeah. Raleigh at, at, at rush hour. Coming out, yeah, to get about 15 miles took us about an hour and 45 minutes. Two, two and a half hours total to get out of the city. I don't recommend that to anybody. Next time, I'm flying. Well, usually when you do D.C., the monument thing, you only do it once in your life. Because I remember being on one end of all the monuments and seeing the Abraham Lincoln monument and going, oh, we want to see that next. And then we walked for about 30 minutes and we seemed further away from the, the you know, the Lincoln monument. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you see it in the movies and it looks all close together where, right. oh, we can just knock that out in 30 minutes. And then you get into this cross-country foot walking. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, you're just walking your butt off. Listen, How I, hot was it there? It was 96 degrees. <laughs> and on Friday, we went and we walked. And we walked to the Capitol. We walked to the Washington Monument. We walked to the American History Museum. We walked to the Botanic Gardens. We did all that. We came back. Now, I don't know how far we walked. There was, a, there was another person in our group that kept a little pedometer on their right. phone. And they put in 13 and a half miles. Holy now, we Lord. didn't do anything like that. We probably did five to seven, something like that. On Saturday, we roll back out. And, and I don't know if you guys are aware, but the African American History Museum is like lights out i mean that place is jammed up it's the place to go right now so we decided to walk down there on saturday and we got about halfway there and my wife who is african-american the rain started to come Uh and robert i'm sure you knew what that meant yep she's like uh no and we've got a function tonight my hair (laughs) we are getting a car and i was like cool so we get an uber and we go down there and we ride the, the mile mile and a half whatever it is down there and we looked at each other and we said we're old and we're stupid why did we walk anywhere the other day why didn't we just take a car anywhere so we went all over the place on saturday in ubers we just get out one place go right. to the next some of the uber rides were like half a mile we didn't care it, whatever but um it was a great time and and like i said i don't know how it's even possible that I haven't done this before, but I was blown away. The Lincoln Memorial was amazing. Iwo Jima, that statue, the World War II, uh, is unbelievable. That was probably the highlight. 
Um, it's a great time. Great time. I when we went by the White House, I was interested to see if you know the president was going to come out and you know pass out water bottles or something. Right. And that didn't happen. So anyway, it was a good time. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I'm home though. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad I made it back it, in time it, to hang. It out requires with you guys. a lot of effort and energy oh, yeah. to negotiate this. Yes. Fee. yes, yes, yes. And I'm not willing. I, I do want to go to African American Museum. But that's the only reason I ever want to go back to DC. Well, here's the thing: if I was to if I was to tell somebody about that museum, I would tell them go in about three years. Okay, let it wall to wall people. And in fact, I don't pull that military card very often. I don't even I don't even think about it in most instances. We went with two friends of ours. Um, he is he is retired Army or retired Marine? Is he retired Navy? I don't know. He's retired military. He's a guy I went to high school with. We jumped in the car together, went to this museum, and as we were, got out there, there was this huge line. And the Uber driver was like, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to get in. Charles says, hold on, and runs up to the front. He comes back and gets me. He's like, we're good. So we, the four of us jump out of the car. We go down to the front, and we get into this line that says passes only. And you have to book an appointment for it. Otherwise, they do a lottery for people that walk up. So we're in the pass line, and, and we're moving through it, and I'm thinking, we're about to not get in because we don't have passes. We get to the front, and the lady says, passes, and Charles says, military, and pops out the military ID, roll right in. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow, I got one of those. Let me pull out this blue ID card. So we went in, and I'm going to tell you, wall-to-wall humanity. It's a great, great exhibit. Could you enjoy it? Because all the I'm people. not going to say we didn't enjoy it, but we certainly would have enjoyed it more had it not been right. elbow to elbow. And there were every kids group that was in D.C. was there. Um, and kids are only going to do the museum so long before they start cutting up. You know how it is. Yeah. But it, very, very, very interesting. You go all the way to the bottom of the museum and you start and it goes back through the slave trade up through into the 60s. It's a really, really impressive exhibit that they put together there. Um, Oprah Winfrey, the Gates Foundation, Walmart. There's a lot of money got pumped into that. And it shows. It's really well done. It's really nice. Uh, but, yeah, I'd give it a couple years before I'd go yeah. back. Um, we went to a place called the Newseum, which is a uh, First Amendment um, sort of press museum. And that was a completely different experience because you know in D.C. almost all of the museums are free. Well, this one was not. It was about 25 bucks a head. So there was nobody there. Right. But that was a really, really cool spot. I would recommend that to anybody. And they had an observation platform on the sixth floor that overlooks Pennsylvania Avenue. So you could see everything from up there. And even me, who's deathly afraid of heights, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it from way well right. to the rear of the, uh, to the bars, you know, on the, on, the, uh, on the side of it. But, yeah, it was a great time. It was a blast. Got to see some people I hadn't seen in a million years. Um, yeah. Did you, you know. put in an application for GM of the Wizards while you were there? Oh, man. I might as well have. The Wizards are another team. That do, they're doing some weird things. But there, there were rumors last night. Um, it's funny how, you know, Chucky said it's like tabloid journalism right now. Well, one guy on one show says, I hear that the Heat are trying to get Bradley Beal, and it blew up social media last night, and I had to peel it back and figure out what had happened and where that came from. And no, Bradley Beal apparently is not leaving the Wizards. He's not going to the Heat to pair up with Jimmy Butler. But that was a cool idea. And all it took was one guy saying it, right. and boom. And it was um, Bryant. Um, anyway, I don't know. It wasn't Wojo? No, it wasn't Wojo. Well, see, that's the thing. No, Wojo, when he says it, it when happens. It, it I, I wonder sometimes if what's really going on 
is we're really not watching Woj run the NBA. That he's making all these moves and he's throwing his weight around to get the teams to do his bidding because that's the only way he could know everything. And everybody else is locked out. Right. It's unbelievable. My favorite is yesterday he's like, breaking news on ESPN is Wojo. KD is going to announce tonight where he's going to be. I'm like, what? Everybody's going to announce right. at the trade deadline. What do y'all think about like the Knicks didn't offer KD a max deal? What? I, I have a feeling that that's going to be a good move moving forward. What are your feelings about that? Because right now they're being ridiculed at, for not offering him a max deal. Why do, why do you say that's going to be a good move in the future? I think the, the Knicks, like uh, other teams, maybe the Charlotte Hornets, m- may be looking at different ways to build their team. I mean, here's a guy who just tore his Achilles. You're not going to have – you know, New York is kind of like we want – we need something – the way you, New York has been running their program is because they haven't really made sound, intelligent choices. They just wanted the, you know, the sexy. They just wanted something fiery to, right. like, pump up the, the fan base. And I just don't see KD. I, there's too many unknowns. There's only, like, one player that had the exact same injury that came back and was his complete self, and that's, like, Dominic Wilkins, Dominique Wilkins back right. in the day. So I just don't, I don't know if... They're getting ridiculed right now as, oh, you didn't offer him a max deal. I just, I'm wondering, if maybe they feel like I do. They're just Look, not trying to the, be the New York Knicks in the last 15 years have wasted a lot more money on bad players. You know, I don't know if Kevin Durant's going to come back and be the same guy. I do know that Julius Randle's ceiling is what Julius Randle's ceiling is. I know that Taj Gibson has shown us what kind of player he is in the NBA, and he's not a premium free agent. The Knicks screwed this up. Left, right, center, in every kind of way. Not only in that they didn't make a splash, but they told the world they were going to make a splash. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, you know, they're the ones that interjected themselves into the AD storyline. AD, Kyrie, Kyrie, KD, and and I'm going to go back and and we love to take credit for what we've said, and oftentimes we just be talking. Right. I told you guys months and months and months ago, probably a year ago. Brooklyn Nets were going to get this done. Brooklyn has been setting that team up with with space for a long time. I do. I, I still stand by what I said, though. I'm not sure that next season what they've done for themselves is not just a more expensive wash because KD, the, the odds that KD is going to come back next year and have an impact are almost zero. Right. Kyrie for D'Angelo Russell, eh, it's kind of a wash. Um, what Golden State did with parlaying Kevin Durant into something instead of nothing is very interesting to me. But the other moves that are coming around with that that they're having to make to clear that space, Andre Iguodala appears as going to the Memphis Grizzlies. Hmm. Um, whether or not he ever suits up for the Grizzlies is a whole nother matter. Right. Um, they may buy him out. They don't know what they're going to do with him yet. Sean Livingston, who's been an integral piece, shoot, last year down the stretch was probably the fourth or fifth best player on that team by the time they got to the finals. Um, The guy that nobody's really talking about that I'm interested to see because two years ago he sort of was the story is DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm interested to see how NBA teams value what he has left post-blowing out his Achilles and moving forward what they put his price tag at. You know, it's only going to take one team to step up and give him a max deal. But I don't know if he 
goes seeking a max deal from some team that's just willing to throw that money out there, or if he does another sort of one-year prove-it type deal. Brick, what do you think? I think he needs to take the money and run while he can. Take the money and run while he can. While he can. Yeah, because he looked like an old man. He it, Look, he can't run he far. He can't run. And he can't run no fast. lateral movement. So he should take the money and shuffle. Is yeah, what exactly, you're exactly. Because right. he, he is... Uh, he is damaged goods right now. Gotcha. And I think he's if he gets a three year deal, he better take it while he can because I I don't know much long, how much longer his body's going to hold up. Got it. All right. Well, we we're about fifteen minutes away from Phil Ford coming on with us. We're excited about that. You're listening to from the cheap seats in Central North Carolina. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Soon from the cheap seats will be right back. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up the whole ride every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Check her out. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law, and that's a fact. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. From the Cheap Seats, National Sports with a Carolina Twist. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, the inimitable Robert Bricky, and Professor Trent Nichols, who is, now he's protesting. He was salty before, now he's just shut it down and gone to his room. He's very, he's, 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 full-on 15-year-old now. He's buried in his, in his phone. He doesn't even want to engage and participate, which is which is all right. It's probably probably for the best anyway. Um, so so tomorrow, the United States gets England in the uh, Women's World Cup. On Wednesday, 
the Netherlands and Sweden play to figure out who's going to get to take the butt whooping from the United States in the final. Um, my only beef is that this is a three o'clock start, East Coast time, United States. Um, it's interesting that we live in a day and age now where that'll be on live. You know, think back 15 years ago, and we'd have been watching it on tape delay at you know seven o'clock in prime time. How many people across the country? This is a legit question. How many? What percentage of sports fans generally are gonna bounce out of work or watch at work on a device at three o'clock on Tuesday afternoon? Is this a thing, During or is final, it just a no, is it just a small collection of people and you know little for the, girls? For at the, the serious house? soccer fan, I could see somebody getting a hold of watching it on online or on phone. Or oh, but, serious soccer fans are going to leave work. Yeah, but. I mean, maybe it's me. I, I've I gotten think, old. I don't follow. Like, I used to pay attention to baseball. I couldn't tell you what's going nobody on. Plays, nobody pays attention Soccer. I've never been a big fan. I mean, so, outside of football, basketball, I don't pay attention to a whole lot of sports. I think you're going to get a lot of casual fans coming to the bars and stuff. Like, At during three the final. day drinking? During the final, it's a good... Those are just drunks. Who, who knew that the U.S. Women's National Team would promote alcoholism? <laughs> I love that. Day right. drinking. You, you, that's a good excuse. I what are you going to be doing then, Chris? Uh, I probably won't be drinking, frankly, at 3 oh, okay. o'clock. Um, but I think I will probably make plans to bounce and get out of the office probably about quarter till so I get to the house and be in front of a TV. If that's not possible, I will definitely be on a device checking it out. But, no, I much respect to, to the day drinkers everywhere. And, yeah, and, well, you know, we, I, I got that. When we get off of air, we'll find out what you're going to be drinking during the game. Not a soccer fan? <laughs> You're not a soccer fan? No, I'll watch so, it if I can. So, Trent, over the weekend, the Major League Baseball All-Star rosters were announced in full. They 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 added the uh, substitutes and the pitchers to these teams. Prior to that, I need you to explain to me what happened. Because back in the day, it was a pretty simple process. Back in the day, you went to the ball game. And at the ball game, or at a grocery store, or wherever MLB had had uh, you know partnered up, and you circled players on your little ballot, you submitted that ballot, and then at some point before the All Star break, the results were announced, and the eight starting players for each league were announced. Yeah, pretty straightforward. I don't know why that system was broken. Then we added this internet voting. And the internet voting is always silly because you can vote like five times a day from an account, whatever. I don't think there's anybody out there that cares enough to legitimately set up multiple accounts to vote five times a day. But I am sure that there are people out there running pirate software that hacks the system and votes a gazillion times on their behalf. But this year, what MLB did was they published three finalists for each position for each league. What, What was that? And why is it a good idea? Explain it to me. Sell me on it. Well, let's see. <laughs> oh, God. So what Major League Baseball is thinking is they're trying to get that face of baseball. So they're going to give America the three options on each position for each league. And it's not going to skew it because what's the rules with the Major League All-Star game? Every team has to have one player on them. So every team has to have one player. So they can assure that that happens and nobody feels left out they're giving you that option to to vote on these three players so we can kind of watch and if you follow major league baseball on twitter every day they have a poll of what hitter 
you want to follow, they're going to show their at-bats live right on Twitter. So it's not a horrible thing. The voting is a horrible thing, but that's their that's their mindset going into this All-Star break. So I'm not going to trash the job that you just did explaining that. What I'm going to say is that you're a good salesman given an impossibly trash product <laughs> to sell. That What you said doesn't make any sense at all. We're either the fans are either voting or the fans are not voting. Voting in some sort of round robin, you know, process of elimination type situation is stupid. And you know, Major League Baseball lives in fear of someone that's not worthy getting an All Star bid. Listen, if that's what the people want to see, trot them out there. Yeah, trot them well, out. There. I mean, they don't want to see. I mean, who would the American League would be all Red Sox and Yankees? Okay. The rest of America outside of those cities of, for American League ball clubs don't care. I, it, it just is how it is. And you know what? If we end up with eight Chicago Cubs starting in the, in the All-Star game, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if Bryce Harper warrants an All-Star bid this, this year. He is a star, whether the Major League Baseball likes it or not. He should be a starter in, in the All-Star game. See, the thing those that I dislike, things, I don't want any player that I care about playing in the home run derby amen because it's a career that, killer they hit maybe two or three home runs the rest of the season yes do you it guys notice that every out. you notice that every time you guys talk about baseball it's all about complaining complaining about the mlb like it's there's never like here's what they do really well or here's what i really enjoy it's always some like Crotchety, a, crotchety old man complain about baseball or how they vote. or If there was a single thing they were doing well right now, I'd be on board and I'd be shouting their praises. I can't honestly think. And sometimes it's a matter of actively doing dumb things. Other times it's just this passive way of you know, not changing. So they, they just don't seem to get it right at any turn. And I, they're struggling, they're sputtering, and the bottom line is is that every single year, in spite of what the economics appear to show, baseball is losing traction in America. And I don't see the turnaround coming um, unless they listen to their fan base. There is, a, there is a, an older contingent of Americans that follow baseball religiously. As that generation dies out, they're not being replaced. And it's because people that are 40-somethings, like the four of us, I know I included you in that group. You're well, welcome. I, yeah, thank you. you. You're welcome. I got a, I got a fake birth certificate. Forty <laughs> somethings ish. Dominican. We don't care about baseball anymore, and there's a lot of reasons we don't. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor the point again. But baseball has not figured out, and, I, and I'm not even sure that across the board they're willing to admit that that's the case. But go into any sports bar in the country. I mean, Trent, you worked in the business for a million years. How often is, How often do people come in and they're like, can you put this baseball game on? Uh, very rarely yeah. until the end of the season. The baseball game on in the bar is like white noise. Like it's just playing in the background. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't – when I go in there, look, like, no offense, but just baseball is – I've never gone, oh, my gosh, the Braves are playing today. Let me turn it on. I just, I just don't get it. There's very rare, there's very few people left that are like that with baseball, and it is sad. But while we have time before uh, Mr. Ford joins us, the Carolina Hurricanes made a brilliant move yesterday before free agency starts today at noon. Break it down. They traded Scott Darling to Florida, 
who then waived him for a buyout purposes, which saves the Carolina Hurricanes for having to buy him out. Yeah, and the the, the Canes ahead of that traded with the Toronto Maple Leafs and did exactly the opposite. Yep, and bought him out. Yes. Patrick Marlowe. So yep. the game is, today is the day. They're going to be, they're in the running to either get Peter Morazic back or uh, Lorner, who was on the Islanders and had a rookie the season. We'll see that probably early. They'll get their deal. They're also projecting that Seb- Sebastian Ajo will get an offer from another team oh, in the $9 million to $9.5 million range, and the Canes' hand will be forced to match that offer and get them signed long Yeah, no chance can the Canes let Ajo get no, out of town. They're can not they, Brandon? To. No. Yeah, you can't. Just not only <laughs> if, if you want every little girl who likes hockey to stop watching the Hurricanes, get rid of Ajo. Because not only is he talented, but according to my daughters, he's kind of a cutie, too. He's a good-looking fella. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good move by the Canes. Let the market set the rate for Ajo. Go ahead, lock him up long-term. Um, Justin Falk. By the end of this whole process, is he going to be a cane or no? I really don't. For how many years, he had probably the best season he's had in three or four years last year. I think he is at his peak value. And with what else they have coming up and their prospects, I don't think Falk will be on the canes to start the season. All right, so you say no. Brandon Atkins, would you like to weigh in on Justin Falk and whether or not he's back with the canes? The thing about Justin Falk is you have to really know hockey to know what he does for your team, and I'm still learning. Um, I think, you know what I'm saying, he does things defensively. Trent, Trent, back me up on this. He does things defensively that if you're just a casual hockey fan, you don't really understand what he just did. The problem is... He spent two or three years being a liability on defense. Last year, he was really good, but he was surrounded by Dougie Hamilton and some other really good defensemen that it took some of the pressure off of him. Well, my thing about Falk, if you're going to deal him, you need to go ahead and deal him now because he's well-respected in the league, and he had his best season, like you said, last year. But isn't that the thing, though, with Falk is I think the team sees value in keeping Falk around long-term isn't it just an economics issue? Not yeah. Where, where not they see the his money value at requires yeah, it, seven million to eight million dollars a year. They'd love to extend. What's he like four and a half now? Right. Yeah. And he's coming into a contract year. I think if they could do four and a half for you know the next four or five but years, they'd be good. He's gonna. I mean, defenseman is that commodity that everybody wants, so they can they can send them for some good picks, and somebody else will have to pay. Them. All right, you're listening to from the cheap seats on the other side of the break. If everything goes according to plan, Phil Ford. Former UNC great second overall pick in the 78 draft will be with us. I'm fired up about that. Hope you are too. Stay with us. From the Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media LLC. Broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous too, especially for young children. 
Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No force play. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, the inimitable Robert Bricky, and Professor Trent Nichols on the phone with us. UNC great, Phil Ford. How are you, Mr. Ford? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. I don't even know how to introduce you because once you get your jersey retired, are you a former UNC great or are you just a UNC great? How does that work? <laughs> I'm just a former UNC player that had great coaching and good teammates. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to start out. You know, you played for, for Dean Smith, who, who is obviously a legend. What is, the, what is the one thing that stands out with you that he taught you? Well, I, I mean that's that's hard to, to, to you know just say one thing, but you know he was so loyal and uh, he was a great great coach and a great great man, and uh, just to have the opportunity to play for him and then to go back and coach alongside him and be in the fan room with him and planning sessions and stuff like that was just uh, something that I'd never dreamed of, but. Uh, he was as loyal as anybody that that I know, and uh, he always tried to do what was right. You know, not because you know, he was trying to impress people, but that's just how he was. If, if he thought it was right, he didn't care what the consequences were at all. He was just going to do what was right. That's how he tried to live his life. You know, in college basketball, you, you've got <clears throat> you've got coaches that that sort of fall into that box that you know are, are guys that that raise good young men. And, and, you know, put together a, a system for people to succeed. And then you've got folks that are across the college coaching landscape that are more like used car salesmen who just seem slick and they're able to go sit at tables and close the deal. Um, it, which, why is it now that we see so few of these guys that are able to stay above the fray? You know, when you, when you look at, at a lot of the top tier coaches, with a, with a couple of exceptions, there seems to be um, controversy that follows them. The recruiting game has become, you know, this 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 all out war. 
Um, why is it that these schools can't commit to solid human beings that are going to grow great young men and be patient enough to let that happen? Well, everybody wants to win. And, you know, you think of it, not many coaches have been at their schools, you know, a very long time. You know, uh, that longevity kind of creates a, some security. And you don't have to do certain things that, I guess, people that think that they do have to do certain things to get that security. So, you know, winning is so important now. You know, you hear people talking about, you know, how important education is in, in athletic departments. And I'm sure that is true with a lot of schools. But, you know, all of us know if you graduate all your players and don't win a game, you know what's going to happen to you. So, you know, just, just trying to create that security, I think, sometimes make guys do things that uh, aren't quite above board. Well, along those same lines, did you always want to come to Carolina, or what was the pitch that made you want to come to Carolina? What, what is it like having Dean Smith in your living room? Well, when I was growing up, I actually went to all-black um, elementary school and, and junior high school, and, and I went to the first integrated school in the ninth grade. So when Charlie Scott start playing in North Carolina, the first African-American player you know, to play in the ACC below the Mason-Dixon line, I was going to an all-black uh, junior high school. And you can imagine every little guy at J.W. Parker Junior High School that was an athlete wanted to be Charlie Scott. So right. I kind of grew up always wanting to go to Carolina. But it just so happened during my high school years, NC State had signed a guy named David Thompson and Tommy Burleson. They were just knocking it out of the park. And my senior year, they actually won the national championship. But after meeting Coach Smith and talking to Coach Smith, and, and my mom and dad were public school teachers, and the education was a big thing, uh, it, it, was, it, it was where I wanted to go. And it just happened that uh, it, was, it was one of those situations where my mom and my dad and I agreed we all wanted to wanted the same thing, so it was kind of an easy choice after that. Now, you spent you spent 12 or 13 years as an assistant with, with Coach Smith. Mm-hmm. During that uh, time... Nine, nine with Coach Smith and three with Coach Guthrie. Okay, okay. Now, during that time, you know, there are scores of hires across the country at, at, at every level of college basketball. Did how is it possible that you didn't ever get the nod to take the head coaching gig at a, at a college, or is that not something you sought out? I didn't seek, seek that out. You know, there's a couple of times I thought about it, but, you know, I was extremely happy being an assistant coach at, at North Carolina. You know, I, I was happy there. Uh, it wasn't such a thing that I had to have the limelight. You know, I was comfortable in North Carolina. I was a Carolina guy. Uh, I, I don't even know how. I would have gone about recruiting at another school because when I recruited at North Carolina, I didn't try to trick guys into coming or, or make up games. I just tried to say what the school meant to me and, and and how loyal the school was to me and how much fun I had and my education. I have my degree in business administration. and you know, So uh, I was just really comfortable in North Carolina. and It's not something that I actively uh, pursued that often. Okay, and you had a couple of stints with uh, with Coach Larry Brown 
who's another icon on the on the sort of Mount Rushmore of, of basketball brilliant. coaches. Yeah, he's brilliant. Where, where do you where do you what are the the similarities and differences between Coach Smith and Coach Brown? I, I think I, I think when when you look at Coach Smith and you look at Coach Brown, uh, you're looking at basketball geniuses. Um, they kind of see things and were a little ahead of their time. And they're guys that just love to coach. You know, I think Coach Brown or Coach Smith would have been happy coaching a a summer league team on the playground <laughs> in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. You know, they would have been just as intense in that as they were at their prospective jobs. So, you know, just to sit beside those guys and learn from those guys and see the game through their eyes was uh, something I'll never forget. Now, those are two guys that reach the heights of success that, you know, everybody else sort of aspires to. But from a, a, a personal standpoint, their careers couldn't have been much different. Dean Smith, you know, tied to the North Carolina program for a million years, whereas Larry Brown sort of, you know, came into situations, would have a little bit of success and then and then move on, normally by his choice. What was it about his personality that, that where, where did that wanderlust that he seemed to have come from? I think he really liked the challenge. You know, I don't care where your team was when Coach Brown took over. You could be at the bottom. You could be at the top. But you always were going to get better. And, you know, as a player and as a athletic director, as a general manager, you know, that's all you can ask for is, is for your team to improve. Coach Brown really enjoyed that challenge. All right. Your last job, if I'm not mistaken, in basketball was with the was with the then Bobcats with Larry mm-hmm. Brown. With Coach you, Brown. Mm-hmm. Have, how are you tied in with the game still today, if at all? Uh, not, not very much today. Uh, I'm still a Hornet fan. You know, I always be. It's my hard, three, isn't it? My three proteins. <laughs> no, no, my three proteins are. I'm a Dallas Cowboy, a New York Yankee, and a Charlotte Hornet. I mean, Charlotte probably don't fit into that category. Now, I was going to say that one of these things is not like the other. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm always going to be a Hornet fan as long as Mike and Mitch are down there. And you know, it, it takes time with the professional team. You know, people kind of get impatient. You know, I think you look at the to me, and, and I've never been in. The, the you know organization or the administrative part of a of a team, but you know you look at Houston. You know they're looking to upset the cart now. And to me, I think they're real close. You know, I mean, why do you when you get this close? Why do you make a lot of change? But then again, like I don't know. But I've got faith in Mike and got faith in Mitch. We've just got to give them patience, and you know, I'm so sure uh, before long that. Uh, It'll be a team down there that the whole state of North Carolina is going to be proud of. Well, we'll we'll continue to give them as much patience as we can muster. But I, for one, I'm in, I, I'm I want to start the uh, the nomination process because I think Phil Ford should be in the uh, front office out there in, in Charlotte. That'd give me a little <laughs> bit more confidence. The, well, Mike knows he has me anytime he, he admits need me. They know I'm only a phone call away. Very nice, very nice. I hope they take you up on that often. Yeah, we are all praying that. They take you. You take them up on that. You know, we we've had some NC State players and some Duke players on the show, and we all looked around last week and we said uh, we need to get some Carolina flavor in here. And now you have ruined us because we got the Carolina great. We can only we got the Carolina great. So 
we either not going to have another Carolina guy on the show, or it's just going to go all downhill. Yeah, you might have broken it for everybody, <laughs> Phil. I'm, I don't know if you remember this. I remember the first time I met you. It was at an All Star game up in Henderson. My Phil Henderson put it together. Uh huh. And I uh-huh. was about twenty one, and you were playing, and I was like, "This old guy can't still play." <laughs> And man, let me tell you, I don't think you took your blazer and slacks off, and you killed everybody in the gym. I was like, I had no idea how good you were. I mean, I saw you play, and I remember watching you. I was like, this is the only guy I've ever seen, especially when you ran the four corners, that could control an entire game. I've never seen a guard since or, or even before do that. And, man, you were an amazing player. And then over the years, of course, we've gotten to know each other from some different events and stuff. And, uh so tell us what you're doing now. I know you're still working at Chapel Hill a little bit. What are you doing over there? Well, really, I'm not doing a whole lot at Chapel Hill. You know, sometimes I'll uh, speak to some sponsors of games or show, show some people around the right. uh, the museum. But, uh, you know, I'm on the speaker's tour. I do a lot of speaking for Fellowship of Christian Athletes and different, you know, youth groups, corporations, uh, make some appearances. One of the most enjoyable things that I do is when I have time and, you know, uh, I donate time with different foundations. Right. Uh, I actually used to have a foundation. I don't have it of my own anymore because I do things with other people's foundation more than I do with mine. So I've kind of shut mine down. But, you know, I give lessons to elementary schools and ele- ele- elementary school kids and junior high kids an uh, hour at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, man, when you uh, work with a little sixth grade girl who, right hand and you teach her to do a left hand layup and that look that you know she gives you when she gets it and right. you know she thinks she's conquered the game and I'm thinking to myself you know we got a long way to go here, <laughs> you know, so. but it's pretty cool you know to see that and how hard they work and how much they listen and, you know but that's I, I'm in, I really enjoy that now you have you have parlayed your success at UNC into a, a lifetime of of you know awesome accomplishments and and and, have, and really lived when from the outside looking in, looks like an amazing life. But is there a part of you that looks at the economics of today's game and is like, man, if I'd have been born 30 years later, you know, the money is is just a completely different thing. Or do you just figure that the universe put you where you needed to be? Uh, the universe put me, God, God put me where I was supposed to be. I, I don't look at it that way. You know, I if you if you would have asked Bob Cousy, about my contract, he would have thought it was crazy. <laughs> right. So, you know, things are kind of relative. Well, kind of relative, not all the way relative. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just happy for these guys that are able to do something that they enjoy and um, would probably do for free and able to create some happiness for their families. You know, we all know that money doesn't create happiness. And that comes from within. and But it does allow you to do things for your family and, and, mm-hmm. and make them happy. So... Um, you know, I never look at it that way. You know, I'm just happy for the guys what they make now. So, when you were playing in the ACC, was there any player in the league that you looked forward to playing against? Or, oh man, gosh, it was. I mean, every night was a battle when I was in the league. You know, so many good guards. You know, like Monty Tao and John Lucas and Skip Brown, and you know, a guy when I was a freshman that people don't talk about a whole lot is a guy named Skip Wise, who was probably the greatest freshman guard to ever come through the ACC. So, oh, wow. You know, every night it was, a, it, it was a tough game. You know, I mean, I think it was seven teams, seven, eight teams then. 
And every night that you played, you know, you never, you never knew who was going to, who was going to win. Now you you had you were the second player taken in the draft in '78. You were on sure. the All Rookie Team. Um, you were an All Star your rookie year as well. Is that correct? I was uh, I, I, I was Rookie of the Year and I was All Pro. I was on all, I didn't play in the All Star game, but I was All Pro. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you tell? these young guys that are coming through the system you've you've stayed in touch and been around the game as these guys have gone through the process these guys that are taking top five in the nba draft what what is the if you had two minutes to spend with one of these young men to try to impart some wisdom what would you tell them well the first thing uh well it's, it's hard for me to live somebody else's life but if i was in that situation of old field looking at a young field i would say the most important thing in your life don't forget is your faith and then the most the second thing is 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 your family and then the third thing is is your livelihood and how do you create that livelihood is taking care of your body because that's the most important thing of a basketball player you know is the longevity especially with 82 games and regular season so you have to take care of your body on and off the court and 12 months out of the year so I guess it would be those three things. Got it. These we talk about the money all the time with with these guys, but in in all of the pro sports, and maybe even more so in basketball than anything else, when you look at these guys that are at the top of their profession, you know they have their own professional chefs, they have their own workout regimen, they've got their own medical team in some cases. Um, it's amazing what these guys can do physically. And from your era, looking at a guy like David Thompson, for instance. You know, David Way is, ahead of his time. You know, as athletically gifted as yeah. anybody, if he stepped onto a, a college campus today, would be an All-American. And, you know, one knee injury, and that was lights. And that was sort of, you know, I think all fans during that era, even through the 80s, you know, watching the game, you, you know, one twisted knee and, and, you know, it could all be over. But the medical advances that have been made are, are just unbelievable. But yeah, you're exactly right. You know, ACL used to be career, but now with reconstructive surgery, you know, you maybe if it happens in college, you probably won't be drafted as high as you would normally have been drafted. But you're probably still going to be a first round draft choice. So, as you said, that I can't think of too many career ending injuries in basketball anymore. You know, over the years, the the Olympics have kind of lost their luster as it applies to to uh, basketball. You know, we went through the period with the Dream Team and the rest of that, um, but prior to that, it was legit college players playing in the uh, in the Olympics. Talk a little bit about the '76 team that you won a gold medal with at the Montreal Olympics. Well, uh, the older I get, the the more that that gold medal means to me in my life because of what it represented. Um, I don't know if you guys, well, you guys probably remember, but a lot of people listening probably don't remember that. The prior Olympics to 76 and 72 was the first basketball game that the United States ever lost uh, in the Olympics. It was to the Soviet team, and the game I refused was played to, in Munich, Germany. I, I refuse to admit that we ball. lost that game. They were <laughs> yeah, okay, Tommy Burleson. Burleson is a buddy of mine. And, and you know, to, your, to what you're saying, you know, those guys have never accepted those medals. Those medals are still in some in a vault someplace around the world. So it was extremely important for the United States to 
take revenge in the 76 games, and a lot of the best players in the country didn't try out for that team, and Coach Smith was coaching the team. And Coach Smith had four players from North Carolina, Walter Davis, Mitch Kupchak, Tom Ligard, and myself, and three other players from the ACC, Kenny Carr from Duke, Steve Shepard from Maryland, and uh, Tate, no, Kenny Carr from State, Tate Armstrong from Duke, and Steve Shepard from uh, University of Maryland. And then he had a couple of players from Indiana. But I think the, the idea that Coach Smith had was instead of getting the greatest players that were available in the country, he wanted to try to put together a team of guys that he knew that would do what he said and play the way that he wanted to play. And we were fortunate enough to win a gold medal that year. But uh, I'm just glad we won because if we hadn't won, you would hear a lot about that 76 Right. Yeah, well, and I, and I still say, and, and you can remember this: if 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 Bill Walton had played on that '72 team, it wouldn't have come down to the the last couple seconds. I don't know. I, I'm still mad at Bill Walton, even though I was like a little tiny baby at the time. I think Bill Walton ruined everything. That's my take on it. <laughs> uh, you know, it was their choice. Yeah, yeah that's the good thing about this country. You know, we're allowed to make choices, but uh, I don't think. And, and you know, uh, something that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, the last, the last game, well, that year, Yugoslavia beat the Soviet Union in the semifinal game, and we beat Canada in the semifinal game, and instead of playing the Soviet Union, we wound up playing Yugoslavia. And Coach Smith later told me that uh, he was kind of worried about that game because throughout the Olympics, he kept showing us snippets of the 72 USA Soviet Union game that they lost, and he was worried, kind of worried that, uh, but we're going to have a letdown or not take it serious enough, you know, to uh, since we weren't playing the Soviet Union. But you know, by the time we got to that game, everybody was pretty excited, and I think we would have been pretty excited to play to play anybody to win the gold medal back for the United States. So there was no letdown for you guys. You guys didn't feel cheated that you didn't get a crack to uh, a crack no, at beating no, the Soviets. No, we just we just wanted to win the gold medal, and that's what Coach Smith imparted on the team. You know, I, I had never heard Coach Smith. I met him when I was seventeen years old, and through the, for the rest of my life, I never heard him say how important winning was. The only time I heard him say how important winning was was in the Olympics. Uh, in North Carolina, you know, he was just emphasizing we played hard, played smart, played together, have fun. If we won, you know, we won. You know, uh, if, if we did all those things as best we could do and lost, you know, we had to accept that. But then in the Olympics, the only thing he talked about was winning. You know, uh, how many points you average how many rebounds you got, how many assists you have, how many charges you threw. None of that mattered. The only thing that won, that mattered was winning. And if we win, if we won, everybody would get the glory. That's amazing. Let me, let me ask you this. What what was it about Coach Smith that allowed him to get to a young man, to get him on the same page as everybody else? Well, with me, I, I, I can't speak for anybody else with me. You know, I, I thought he really cared about me as a person. You know, uh, you know, he knew, you know, things that were bothering me. You know, his door was always open for me. Any problem that I ever had, you know, I was 
fortunate I had two parents that, you know, I would, could go to them with anything. And I felt that way with Coach Smith. I could go with him to anything. You know, in a game, he always said that anytime the team won, it was the team's fault. And anytime they lost, it was the coaching staff's fault. And I didn't really agree with that when I was on his staff. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the type of guy that he was, you know. And you wanted to uh, – you didn't want to let him down. You know, you, you wanted to win and play hard for him because, you know, he uh, – he, I know he always had our backs. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Ford, we appreciate you being on with us. Um, we'd love to have you back sometime and, and hear more sure. about your, your, your life's journey. Uh, this has been amazing. Thank you so, so much. Guys, you got any last questions? No, nah, just thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been wonderful hearing your stories. And we really appreciate it. Hey, uh, listen, I, I call Phil. Anytime, guys. He picked up on the first ring. He said, hey, I'd be happy to do it. Tells you uh, a, a You know anything about, for you, my man. I appreciate it, man. But look, it tells you the kind I, of guy we're dealing with. Absolutely. Quality All person. Right. Thank UNC you so much, legend Phil. Phil Ford, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to uh, put a bow on this thing. And uh, this has been a – man, this has been awesome. This has been awesome. I'm, like, blown away. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina. Got just a couple minutes left. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, welcome back. I just got a couple minutes left. I, I do want to say something because I said this during this bit. America, our sports history, we've been too kind. Bill Walton refused to play in the Olympics in 72. Bill Walton was the best basketball player maybe on the planet because he was playing at NBA level at UCLA, went in, had huge success, won an NBA championship in his first couple years in the NBA. He refused to play based on his political views. And maybe this is how it all ties together. We're talking about Megan Rapinoe. And Megan Rapinoe, in her moment in the sun, is trying to make a political statement instead of following around 
you know, maybe she sees that as more historic, but maybe there's a corollary. Maybe it's, it's tied together there. Bill Walton, yeah. you know, the 72 Olympic team lost under ridiculous circumstances, but they did lose. You add Bill Walton to that team, they probably win that game by 20. Right. I don't know. It's pretty rigged there in the end. It was, <laughs> the oh game God. ended, what, three times? Yeah, so. any of you youngsters that are out there or anybody that's forgotten, go back and just check YouTube. Yeah. If you want to get the really end of angry. the 72 gold medal game where the, the uh, Soviets got three bites at the apple, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, Bill Walton's biggest regret in his entire basketball career, he put, he's on record as saying losing to David Thompson in the NC State team in the national championship. And that's just a testament how good David Thompson was. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. That was cool that we we had a an invocation of right. of David Thompson there. That's that's the interview we need to get. We got to work on it. He doesn't do many, but we'll see. Oh my God, he's going to Sally. Oh, oh my gosh. All right, so guys, anything you want to add in the last thirty seconds? Uh, special shout out, Chucky Brown. And Phil Ford for being our guest today. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Real quickly, where does Kawhi land? Lakers. Uh, Clippers. Lakers. Clippers. Clippers. Lakers. Toronto. I'm going to go with you, Brick. I think he's staying right there in Toronto. I think he's he's comfortable with the guys around him. He trusts the organization. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Oh, my gosh. We'll have Chris Corciani on the air with us next week. Tune in. That should be fun. I'm trying to figure out why this guy has not been the head coach at NC State at some point. Right. I don't understand. Maybe he's making too much money I think in the mortgage it. business. Take a pay cut. All right. You've been listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, especially at Cheap Seat Radio. We love you guys. Peace. Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.